Chapter 18 of The Night Side of New York by members of the New York Press. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Layers of Misery and Crime. The question must sometimes force itself upon inquiring minds. Where on earth do the squalid wretches to be seen everywhere in our streets, the rag pickers and such like, make their abodes? We would not recommend the inquirer to resolve himself into a committee of one and attempt unattended to explore the mysteries of those reeking districts in which misery lies huddled with crime amid the awful of such localities as the fourth and sixth wards we determined to visit them and so pushed up chatham street and soon disappeared in the gloomy and filthy five points region along wet and broken sidewalks through streets whose putrescent odors were revolting past houses whose feeble-looking lights in dilapidated windows gave the whole precinct a decayed and sickly aspect past hideous and drunken women who saluted one with invitations that it seemed it had required a demon seven times damned to accept past groups of little boys a few of them tugging at the stumps of cigars that they had picked up somewhere in the street past crowds of girls, some quarreling and shouting, and others playing. Yes, even there, among the heaps of vile refuse that poisoned the air and overlaid the middle of the streets, playing and laughing merrily, past knots of men with hangdog and most jaily looks, past corruption and pestilence in every form, as liquids, as solids, and as human beings amazed that such festering foulnesses should be suffered to remain so near to our marble palaces of trade we walked as fast as the slippery stones and the obstructions that we met would suffer us to go we called at the station-house to see captain jordan not in call to-morrow evening at seven o'clock we did call and we saw the captain would the captain allow a policeman to go round with me to the slums and lodging cellars the name of a journal of which we are an occasional contributor secured us this favor at what hour eleven or twelve five hours after precisely at midnight we entered the station-house again did the captain leave orders for a policeman to go with me round the precinct i'm your man said a voice in the corner a fair-complexioned person dressed in police uniform jumped up from a little iron seat and came forward you're late sir he said i expected you at eleven but it's soon enough taking a bull's-eye we left on our tour of exploration now what would you like to see first said the roundsman as we stepped out into the piercing wintry air we expressed a preference for underground lodging-houses all right said the roundsman i can show you enough to sicken you we went around to a corner of leonard and baxter streets and descended about a dozen stairs to the door of a cellar it had a window broken and dirty the roundsman rapped at the door with his club who's there cried a woman's voice a policeman what does the policeman want the voice rejoined oh let me in and you'll see said the roundsman a drunken male voice told the woman to open there was the sound of striking a light never mind a light said the roundsman open i've got one the door opened a boy of nine or ten entirely naked stood before us an unshaven hard-featured elderly irish laborer sat bolt upright in bed naked too 
a woman lay by his side. This cellar, like all the rest, was less than eight feet high, and its floor was in bad order and extremely filthy. It had once been a noted underground hotel, kept by a negro, who has since gone up to the island or to Sing Sing. It had an inner room, which once communicated with rooms still further along, which again were connected with a dark and foul alley. We thought then that the atmosphere was deadly poisonous, but we remember it now as the best ventilated of these cellars that we visited, for it was a private residence, not a lodging house now. We regain the street, and a few steps brings us to another den. Entering the hallway through a doorless entrance, we grope our way, aided by the dim light of the lantern, the floor creaking beneath our feet as though it were about to open and swallow us. At the end of this passage another doorway, partially barricaded by old barrels and bundles of rags, leads to a flight of steps, descending which we find ourselves in a low-roofed cellar with bare stone walls. In this cavern, which is perhaps fifteen feet long by ten broad, there are huddled together at least twenty human beings, of both sexes and all ages. The floor seems to be all one bed, a littering down of dirty straw such as would not be considered wholesome for a pig-pen. Where a glimpse of the floor is perceptible, we can see the boards are black and rotten and the numerous holes in them tell plainly of the ingress and egress of swarming rats. Crouching round a miserable bit of candle are three figures, occupied apparently either in sorting rags, or in dividing such scraps of plunder as might have resulted from their joint efforts during the course of the day. The light of the dip falls strangely on the face of the oldest of the three, a face withered and wrinkled nearly out of all semblance to humanity, and with the black shadow of something worn upon the head cutting sharply across the upper portion of it. Man or woman, ask we of our guide, who keeps turning his lantern here and there upon the closely assorted miscellany. Couldn't say, was the curt reply, pretty much mixed up here. The other two in the group around the candle were children, apparently though it was but from relative size that one might guess at this. Their faces were pinched and haggard, and the tangled locks of their hair were mingled with shavings and flakes of cotton. They have been rummaging about the wharves, said our guide, operations in cotton on a small scale. Most of the wretched occupants of the floor seemed to be asleep, and the effluvium that arose from the hard breathing of the heterogeneous mass brought a choking sensation to the throat querulous recriminations passed here and there, couched in expletives, not loud but deep. Now the wailing of a child is heard, and our guide brings his lantern to bear upon the spot from which it proceeds. The light flashes upon a small negro, rocking itself to and fro like an old woman, and crooning for the cold as it sits half-naked upon the straw. Cover up that child, someone, says our guide, in a stern voice. A sack is thrown over it by some unseen hand, and it becomes a part of the undistinguishable mass that is groveling on the floor. What do they charge for a night's lodging in this den? asked we. Eight cents, or sometimes ten, replied the guide. Prices vary here with rents, as elsewhere. The premises belong to a rich man, a broker, or such like. John Lane's Rum Shop, 
the policemen call the places gin mills was next startled by our visit it was jammed white boys and prostitutes of both races celtic and negro black men and white men were in the closest fraternity there was a rush out at the back door as soon as mcdonald's blue eyes rested on the women oh he cried you needn't run i ain't a-going to touch you they all knew him and seemed to have full faith in his word in fact everybody we met knew charlie we mentioned the circumstance yes said charlie most of them have good reason to know me i've sent lots of them up to the island this gin-mill is one of the cheapest and most liberally patronized gates to ruin in the city it is also one of the best fitted go into it in the daytime and you would report it to be clean and respectable if you would use the last word in relation to such a place in any circumstances most of the forty or fifty persons here were colored their lodging-houses are in an alley nearby and the roundsmen said they were much cleaner than those of the same class of irish for nearly all these whites are irish seems like said another officer as if they were a different breed from the other irish they're carry folks hanged if you could dig a hole in them with a crowbar deep enough to get any sense into them there's no reasoning with them there's no way of making them keep clean or decent but brute force sir fitzgerald's gin mill is on the corner of baxter and white streets five or six brutal-looking bloated blackened-eyed prostitutes sat around the stove and one dead drunk lay at full length on a bench near the door four or five young men stood near the bar and near the stove they all knew charlie the women all had been up some more than once rumholes cluster thickly in these squalid and loathsome localities on the opposite corner is tom lane's establishment it is much larger than either of the other two tom is jim's brother this place is noted as a resort of thieves beggars and prostitutes of the lowest class there were upwards of thirty men and women in the den when we visited it the men are of the most brutal and beastly type in which humanity is capable of appearing and most of them were more or less under the influence of liquor the prostitutes are of the worst specimens of their class having sunk to that depth of infamy and degradation to which nearly all arrive at last but from which the early stages of their career often seem so far removed diseased and filthy their faces bloated and haggard their eyes dull and bloodshot they have reached that point where further debasement is impossible their career of sin is nearly ended and that end is death there is no hope for them in this life and hopelessness is written on every line of their faces and yet there are hardly any traces of vital wretchedness it is negative mainly it is the utter absence of happiness rather than the presence of misery that impresses one these women so lost so fallen are called lofters in the police vocabulary there said the roundsman pointing to a young woman who stood near the end of the bar there's the greatest shoplifter in the united states and she's come to this the girl had an intelligent face keen black eyes and her black hair hung down in one mass she seemed to be delighted with the compliment as we were going out one of the young rowdies made a mocking sound at the roundsman charlie whistled a low whistle answered 
a policeman emerged from the gloom of a neighboring house and came forward clear them fellows out said the roundsman the tall man in blue went into the barroom like a wolf on the fold and there was a sudden scampering of the young rowdies they made a simultaneous rush for the door in their eagerness to escape they blocked each other's way meanwhile the policeman laid on his club with a vigor which must have left marks on the lower regions of their bodies the women laughed now let's go over to cow bay said the roundsman and you will see how they live way up jacob's ladder that's the name it goes by cow bay used to be where the house of industry is now but there's one building still standing where they keep lodgers jacob's ladder is an outside stairway high and steep which ends at a landing so rickety and in every way so dilapidated that it excites one's wonder that it should be suffered to remain standing you land as high up as the third story would have been there were two doors the roundsman rapped at both of them who's there asked a female voice open the door Sue's," said the roundsman ah that's charlie returned a voice a little room three women in it a pan filled with coal cinders in the center of the floor one woman on her haunches warming her hands over it on a filthy mattress with one filthy coverlet over her lay a woman asleep no bedstead no pillow no other mattress the room how filthy how cheerless how rickety no pen can describe the gas from the fire was enough to suffocate us next room a devilish-looking little german woman half-dressed opened the door two men in one bed her husband in the other perhaps her husband filthy everything had i written about it then and there i would have said extremely filthy but there was worse to come we go up the narrow worn-out winding stairs we enter no the writer did not for he would have vomited had he done so the roundsman entered and we looked into three of the upper chambers in one under the eaves almost small and low and slanting a negro woman had three or four boarders she paid a dollar a week for rent next door there were five or six women huddled near a stove who is that man lying beside a woman under a heap of rags near by them they are all prostitutes here said the roundsman all five all in this building and men come here oh yes they have no sense of decency one of the women was so frightfully diseased that the foul odors of her body was distinguishable above the other fetid odors of the room and its inmates and the fumes of the coal gas for in all these caverns there are no fireplaces a man had died of fever in the attic room opposite only that morning and his widow and her children and lodgers were still living there as filthy and crowded together as ever we have to carry corpses from these places sometimes said the roundsman and they are crawling are all the women all of them of bad character every one said the roundsman we descended over there observed the roundsman as he pointed to a place near by over there is where the nigger killed the white man some time since they call it s alley would you like to go over we picked our way over the half-frozen slush and came to a stable door or what appeared such for there was a heap of stable refuse near it the roundsman rapped by and by an old negro man appeared 
with but one article of clothing on his body a short thick old man who made his living by begging a low filthy room miserably furnished but with more in it than the rooms up jacob's ladder on the floor lay a young man and a woman on a filthy mattress they were man and wife or at least the old man said so they were colored nearby up one flight of rickety stairs we saw a sadder sight still a stove no a large open pot only stood in the middle of the main room three little rooms led out of it and one of them had been a china closet once four squalid and debauched women were squatted down near the stove a mattress lay on the floor close by the fire and on it clasped in each other's arms not a blanket nor rug nor coverlet but only an overcoat over them two persons were stretched out who's that man asked the roundsman dunno who keeps this place me said a debauched creature clad in unwomanly rags looking up at the officer how came you here said the officer to the man coming home and this crow picked you up yes there are men who are as low in character as these women but they can come out of these alleys and dens and redeem themselves but once there a woman can escape in one way only in a coffin at the corner of little water street where once a missionary lived we went through another house this is the abode of the better or more properly the less wretched class you may make comparisons said the roundsman this is on the way down they try to keep up a more decent appearance but they all go down to the cellars on cow bay at last and then oh then they soon drink themselves to death said the roundsman we paused a moment and then the roundsman added now then let us go over to blank street if you would like to see the saloons we do not mention the name of this street because we do not intend to advertise the underground places of bad repute that we visited there are hundreds of the like in the city all one in character however different in interior appointments and in external appearances these cellar saloons vile brothels though they are have no glaring signs and pictures suggestive of tolerated vice which sadden disgust or tempt the passer-by in broadway a white painted glass door or curtained windows indicate these underground saloons we entered five or six of them the atmosphere in them is stifling some more some less so and occasionally it is sickening it was now about two o'clock in the morning in one of these cellars there were three girls in another four in another five there was a barroom in each some of the barrooms or saloons were small and others quite spacious the back part of the cellar was in every case divided off into bedrooms each just large enough for a chair and a little table and a double bed the roundsman opened them they were not all unoccupied the men were exposed to shame if they had not got past it the first of these places is kept by a doctor he had been the regular physician of a number of such cellars for they are so subject to hideous maladies that they must needs keep a doctor and this vile curer of vile diseases had calculated the profits of human depravity and leased this den himself 
In this doctor's den, three girls were trying to amuse themselves with cards, but it was plain that it was the dreariest of efforts to make away with the loitering hours. They were chiefly brazen-faced, bloated, debauched young creatures, uncomely, unattractive, and uneducated. They were mostly Irish. At another cellar there were four or five very forward, shameless women. "'What do you want here, Charlie?' said one of them, as we entered. "'Are you going to take us up?' "'Oh, no,' said the roundsman. "'I'm only showing a friend about.' "'What do you want?' asked the girl, addressing the writer. "'You know what he wants,' replied a young woman whom we stood near. We looked at her in surprise. She was the most modest in appearance, and the only intelligent-looking woman in the room. After we had stood four or five minutes, we noticed that she was the only person among them who shrank from the coarse familiarity of the half-dozen half-drunken and more than half-brutal fellows in the room. The rest of them were unmistakably of un-African descent from the fatherland of the Thanians, every soul of them, but she looked like an American-born. We kindly inquired where she was born. I'm an American. How long have you been here? I've been here less than a week. But you have lived longer than that in these places? Yes, sir. How long? I did not come here for the purpose you supposed. Speak to me candidly. Her manner changed. She was wholly a woman again. Well, sir, she replied, I was four or five weeks in a saloon a little way along here, six doors from here. Before that I had lived a long time out of these places. I was once before about three months in them. Why did you first go into them? Drinking, sir, I suppose. That's the truth. But I shall not stay long. Why don't you leave at once? How can I, sir? Would your wife take me into her family? But there is great demand, I am told, I retorted, for American girls in intelligence offices. Now be honest with me. Is it not true that most of the girls here, in these places, don't want to work? Yes, sir, she said. It is true. I know I ought not to speak against my companions, as I may call them, although I feel myself above the company I'm in. And women ought to be more merciful in talking about their own sex. But it is true but there are some who would like to go out, and would go out on a fair chance. But what chance is there? Do you know the home? Yes, sir, I do know all about it. But is there any fairness in expecting us to go in there three months and live on poor fare and work for nothing? I think some prefer to take their chances to get out themselves. But are there no places where girls in your position can apply so that they may be led out? I don't know of one, she said. Mr. Blank knows me, but he does not know that I am here. He would get me a place if I went to him, but he would ask me so many questions, I won't go. I lived next door to him, in a clergyman's family, once. I won't go to him now, and her thin lips compressed, but I am not afraid that I will remain here long. Most of these girls are afraid of the keepers of these saloons and are afraid to go out without asking them. But I'm not, she added proudly, as her eyes snapped. I might if I lived in some other countries, but I never will be in my own. O oh, starry flag, emblem of liberty, source of hope, inspiration of the enslaved, 
even in the underground caverns of moral death. We went into two of these brothel barrooms that were on the first floor. A stout, bloated old woman was the keeper of one of them, and an elderly, dark-complexioned German, cheaply dressed, was the proprietor of the other. The same sort of little bedrooms were in the back part of both of them. The old woman tried to vindicate the character of her establishment to the roundsman. It seems that a customer had accused her or her girls of stealing a diamond pin. Her righteous indignation was a psychological study. She, the vendor of young women's vice, was wroth that she should be accused of theft. The man came in only and took a drink and left, and then returned and charged her with theft. She, the innocent, a thief. It was past human, or at least feminine, endurance. And as she was defending her integrity, three young creatures came in, laughing and riotously, and bareheaded. One of them, hardly sixteen years old, was smoking a cigar. Where have you been, gals? asked the roundsman. Down in blank restaurant, getting supper. Treated? asked the roundsman. Yes. The German's hell was represented as a quiet place, one of the quietest in this precinct, said the roundsman. The wretch had a polite bearing, and invited us to be seated in a little black box. But we hastened on, sickened and sorrowful, having seen quite sufficient of the night side of the five points brothels and lodging houses. End of chapter 18